Well, good morning, morning. those of you in here and (laughs) those online. You know, uh, really grateful, honestly, for the technology because most of the time we would not uh, be so lucky to be able to uh, live stream this to you at home. And, you know, I was driving this morning, I'm from Michigan, and everyone asked me, like, you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, you know, I moved here for a reason to get away from this. And um, so I don't love it. But, you know, the thing is, is like you, do, you can't teach people how to drive on ice. That's just not, not possible. Snow, yes, I can help you out there, but ice is a different thing. So we're glad that um, you guys are, are safe at home and uh, really, really grateful today. So if you, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. And, and what we just sang and, and considered is what we're going to be talking about today, this passage where Jesus is talking to us about worry and about anxiety and things that we, uh, we look forward to. So if, if you're new at Fellowship, if you join us online, maybe for the first time or in the last couple of weeks, um, we teach through the Bible. We pick a, either a book of the Bible or a large section of the Bible and we work through it verse by verse. And we always are asking this question, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus? How do we apply this scripture to our life? And one of the things about being a Christian is the commitment to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so as we look at the Sermon on the Mount that we've been uh, been talking through in this section of scripture, that's the question that we're asking. How do we follow Jesus based on what he is telling us in this in these in scriptures? And so for us in the sermon, Jesus is basically saying, hey, let me show you a different way of life and how to live And I want to teach you what it means to be a person of my kingdom, of what it looks like to follow me in this way. And so you're going to look at how the world is doing things and the way that I do things is completely upside down. It may seem illogical, but this is the way of the kingdom. And then he goes on and explains why. So for us, this new way of living actually starts with how we think about things. And what I would say is worldview. Many times we don't think about like, what is my worldview? But that's really what Jesus is getting after in the Sermon on the Mount. And particularly in these last three sections that he's talked about, he's talked about things that are very timely for us to consider. Um, Money, how we view money, how we view worry, and then how we judge others. So I think that all kind of plays in right now in this season of life, especially right now of like, especially next week of judging others. I mean, there's been so many things of like how people view different things. Take any topic right now and you have different opinions. And then it's easy to judge other people and there's worry. Um, this is one of those things like we often worry about what is to come. Money and in this time, like what, what, like maybe you're saving up for retirement or, or medical bills or those different things happening. So Jesus is asking us to consider what it looks like to live in His kingdom as a person who follows Him, and that is our worldview. So He's going to shape our thinking. So we're going to be asking today, Jesus, what does it mean to follow You? So here's the question today. Does Jesus really expect us not to worry? I mean, that's the question that he's gonna pose. And so I want us to just think about all the complexity and the trouble in the world. How can he say, do not be anxious? I mean, how can Jesus really expect us as his followers not to be anxious with what we see around us, with what's going inside of us? Um, how, can, how, can he, how can we live in that way? Now, what Jesus is not saying, let me be very clear here. He's not saying don't have emotion. Jesus came down to earth as fully human, fully God, experienced fully what it meant to be human. And there's many times where you see where he had 
full range of emotion. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't have emotion, just kind of depart from that or, or detach from that. No, what he's saying is, is like to live with God in this way is to trust him and have your worldview shifted so much so that you are actually settled in and not worrying. And so one of the things I also want to be uh, just sensitive to, I know so many of you who in this season feeling isolated and, um, and have been struggling with mental and emotional health. And I just wanted to say, you know, if that's you today, I, I encourage you to take steps uh, towards uh, counseling or getting in community in this family of faith to have others walk alongside you. And we would love uh, to do that. So if Jesus is being serious, he's asking us to, to really consider what does it look like for us to trust the Father? What does it look like for us to see that God is in control and that he is sovereign over this world. And so if he's being serious, he's how do we actually do this? So let's start with uh, uh, verse 25. If you have your Bibles, let's, let's start here. And so it says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, this is his big idea. This is the, the-, the thesis statement that Jesus is making here. And everything is gonna flow from this, from this argument. So one of the things that um, I learned, I wasn't very good at, um, in English, but one of the things that I, I learned pretty, pretty early on was that um, when it says therefore, it's there for a reason, okay? So the, there's gonna be three therefores in, in, this, in this passage and one of the things I wanted you just to think about, anytime you see it, therefore, it's there for a reason. So we have to go back and ask, well, why is it there? What is it there for? And so we have to look at, in the previous, in the previous thing that Lloyd did in last week's sermon, the two choices that you can make is either store up your treasure on earth or in, in heaven. So those are the two paths that you can make with your, your finances. And so store up your treasure in those two places. So for where your treasure is, verse 21, this is what it's pulling back from. This is why it's there. And it's, it's for this reason. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So if your treasure and your heart are with God, it follows that you are no longer in control of them. They are they're God's, like God has it and he is in control of it. And then you come under that and trust that. So that's why he, he pulls that in. So in verse 25, to start this, he's developing this idea in the nine verses that follow that's, that's remarkable, that God is in control, that God has everything. And that if we come under him, he digs into why are we anxious? It's because we're actually trying to hold on to control in his world. How we view the world is actually this way. Um, Michael, I'm, I'm not getting the, uh, the pen up here. So if you could maybe help me out uh, on that so I can, so can draw on this. We'll figure this out in just a second. So here at, at Fellowship, one of the things that when we talk about heart and when we talk about uh, what is the heart, it's the, it's the whole person. It's our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. So the way we talk about it is this way, that your thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices is all of who we are. And so when the Bible talks about transformation and talks about change, it's talking about it in the way of how do we actually live with God from our whole heart and to see God do this thing. Thanks, brother. So when we think about, when we go from uh, thoughts to choices, many of us try to, to think about behavior or trying to change by just going from, well, I think I'm gonna start this today and then my, and I'm gonna change my behavior. So we just go from thoughts to behaviors. Now, one of the things I want you, you to think about is like, okay, have you ever tried 
um, I'll just give like a New Year's resolution, right? We're only a month in. And, you know, so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna eat healthier and I'm gonna, I'm gonna work out and do all these things, right? And if we just try to go, if we just try to go from thoughts to choices, one of the things that, that happens is you're just, going, you're just going from here to here. And Super Bowl Sunday comes along and it's like, okay, there's cookies on the counter. There's all these things on the counter, but I'm eating healthy, you know? I'm like tracking what I'm eating. I don't need 10 cookies, but I ate 10 cookies, okay? So the thing is, is like I had all the thought in my mind to change my behavior, but it just doesn't work that way if you've ever tried to do it. You have to get underneath, why do you do what you do in your desires to get actually towards change? That's what Jesus is gonna do here. It's really remarkable what he's gonna do. He's actually gonna start with your, your thought life actually needs to change. What you're, how you're thinking about worry and, and being anxious about things actually needs to shift. So he's gonna start with our, our thought life here, and then he's gonna move into the emotional life and the desires, and then from that to make a different choice. So Jesus is actually going to follow what we would call the transformational pathway, that it starts with changing our thoughts, goes to our emotions, and then our desires, and then comes out to our choice. It actually engages our whole heart. And so that's why we, we think that transformation uh, follows this pathway in this, in this way, that it includes the whole heart, all of who you are in your transformation. So Jesus knew that uh, anxiety is this incredibly difficult thing to root out of our lives. Like he, he knows that. He's not less like, hey, just go and change. I mean, just stop being anxious. Like Jesus isn't approaching change and transformation that way. No, he's saying, I know that to change uh, the way that you're thinking about and feeling about this life, it, it's not just, hey, just go think about it differently and then choose something different. He's actually engaging our whole, our whole heart in this way. So here's how he's gonna do this. If you're, if you're taking notes, in verses 26 through 30, he's actually gonna address um, our thoughts. And then in, in 31 through 33, he's gonna talk about our desires and emotions and then our choices in verse 34. So that's how he's gonna, he's gonna map it out for us. So let's, let's look at how Jesus talks about this first starting with our thoughts. So look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of, of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus starts with our thought life of how we're thinking about this world. He's actually gonna tap into our, our worldview. I want to reshape the way you're thinking about creation, the way you're thinking about this world in such a way that it's actually gonna start to change how you view things. So what he's actually doing in challenging our worldview, he's, he's gonna have two surprising points of our thought life. And this is what he says. And the two verbs that I want you to look at is, he says, look at right here and then consider. So those are the two places where he's actually saying, hey, I actually want you to engage your mind and with creation. And I, I want you to look at and I want you to consider. 
Now, the, the verbs here, when we just say look at and consider, we might just say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna glance at these things and then I'm gonna kind of move on in my day. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, I actually want you to pause and I want you to meditate on this and actually take a really long look. That's, that's kind of the, the, the way that it's communicated in the original text, that you, we would actually pause and consider to actually think about these things. And so why would, why would we do this? Take a real look at them, study them. Jesus is saying, if you wanna find freedom from anxiety, it starts by how you're viewing God and you're viewing creation. Freedom from anxiety is these, is these two little pieces of looking at the world differently. So what I wanna do right now is I actually want us to, to do what Jesus is, is telling us to do. I want us to look at and consider these two things that he's saying, okay, the birds and the lilies. So we actually have images that we're gonna put up on the screen. And the thing that I want you to, to look at is I want you to actually think about what Jesus is saying here. Of When you're looking at these and when you're considering these birds, and then we have another image of the, the lilies in a field, I want you to think about, okay, so they are, just think about all the things that, that happen to cause them to grow, how they, how they live in, in the world. Just think about those things. Consider what Jesus is saying. He's saying they don't, they don't worry about where their next meal is gonna come from. Like the lilies are growing. They're, they're beautiful, they're, but they're receiving rain. They're receiving nutrients from the sun. They're pretty much in a posture of receiving. They're not toiling about how they're gonna grow or what's gonna happen tomorrow to them. They're not, what are they doing? They're just in the present moment receiving from God. So those are the two things that maybe this week, there's probably not many lilies around and there's probably not many fly, you know, birds flying around. But I want you just to think about, is there another part of creation that you could take this exact same thing and think about and ponder this week? You know, one of the things um, a couple weeks ago, we let you all know that Paige and Zach Stroop um, uh, lost their, their daughter, Lily Grace Stroop at birth. Lily had anencephaly. And they knew that she wouldn't uh, live very far after her birth. And one of the uh, passages that they, they chose her name from was this passage that we're reading today about lilies, that they don't toil nor, nor spin, but they, they just receive and they're, they're these beautiful gifts from God. And one of the things in the, in the service that we had as a, as a community of faith, we had a, a service uh, last Saturday and celebrating uh, and and morning, Lily Grace Stroop. And in God's sovereignty, we're at this passage today as a community of faith. I think that timing is just, is just so perfect for us to actually consider Lily Grace Stroop's life in light of this passage. Because one thing that, that Zach said, he said, when I was holding Lily in my arms, I realized that she just received life as a gift. She was just in my arms receiving my love and I was receiving her. At that moment, it was just, just us together being fully present. And, and that honestly made this text, I viewed this text so differently after hearing Zach's words. And his sister, um, Amy, is a, is a songwriter in Nashville, and she wrote this, this beautiful poem about Lily. And so I want us to consider a different Lily this morning uh, as we come to this text, because I think it's so appropriate for us and, and as we observe this, I want you just to take note of what this poem is saying and what Jesus is asking us to consider. 
Just as the sun rises and sets, and in that short time says nothing, yet we are warmed, things grow, life is illuminated, and we are able to see what we couldn't without you there. So you are, Lily. In your short time, we are warmed by your presence, pressed to grow new life, and new life has been illuminated. And we now see what we had without your light. So we thank you for the gift. And like the Bible says in Matthew, to consider the lilies, we consider you. You are our flower that blooms and does not worry or toil or have concern. May we be like you, depending on God, free of worry and concerned only of the short gift of life that we have. And life is always a gift, always a display of the glorious handiwork of God. Like a flower, we are so fragile, clumsy at times, yet sung with the details of a glorious maker. Details whisper in the great display of what points to the mysterious DNA of God. So we consider you and are thankful for what we see now and what will be revealed from your warmth, you shine in your hours of breath. May we consider you our perfect, pure gift of heaven and receive the divine ahas of grace and great love you whisper to us. Amen. I mean, I think that is so powerful when you think about considering Lily Grace Stroop's life, that she did not toil. And what Rob said so, so beautifully, that her only moments here were just received into her family's arms in a birthday party. And for us, what does that mean that we have more value than the birds of the fields and the lilies in, in the fields, that we actually have more value and that our Father so generously gives us all that we need? That what if we actually received and did not toil in that way? Because I think Jesus is calling us to consider the lilies and the birds in this way, that as we pay close attention, that we'll actually learn what it means to receive, what it means to have our worldview switch to where God is actually in control. And these, the fact that these creatures exist in the way they exist are provided for a sign of the, what I would say, the generosity of God. Like, why do lilies exist? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why do we have beautiful flowers to look at? Like, why does, our, why does your food taste good other than the, the gift of God and his generosity towards us? There are so many things in his creation as we consider and as we ponder that it's like God in his generosity gives us those so that we may delight in him and his good creation. That's why that they're there. And so when we actually pause and reflect and actually look at these things, we're actually forced to see God's good gifts all around us, that we actually have things in these seasons of, of, of change, that we actually slow down in the winter and actually have things come back to life in the spring, that there actually is a reason for these beautiful things that God gives us. And so when we, when we pause and, and do, we actually see the evidence of God's abundance and his grace, that we are to delight in his good creation. We're to delight in him and what he's done. And so to root out worry is actually to get after the scarcity mentality. 
that we don't have enough. I mean, that's where a lot of worry and anxiety come from is that we're looking at the future and saying, if I don't do this, I won't have enough or I don't have enough right now. If I only had blank amount in my bank account, if I only had, you know, fill in the blank. And you know, the funny thing is, is I've actually asked a few people um, this question, we were talking about worry and they were talking about, you know, if I just had a little bit more in my bank account, I just asked them, I said, well, what would be the amount that you would need to stop worrying? Like, just give, give, what's the amount? You know, is it 100,000, like in your emergency fund? Like, what is it? And they didn't have an answer, which just tells me when they got to whatever they thought that was, that number was, they would want a little bit more, right? I mean, that's just the way that scarcity works is that we're, we're constantly thinking that we don't have enough. I mean, that's why Black Friday is a thing. It's just like, you know, if you don't have this, your life won't be complete. You know, if you don't give this gift, you know, uh, this type of things, like we, we have this in, in our culture as consumers that we don't have enough. What if I miss out? What if, you know, what if I'm not enough? What if, you know, we have all of this kind of stirring up and, and that's where anxiety starts from. But Jesus is inviting us to live a different story. He's inviting us to see the radical abundance and the generosity of our father. That's where he's, he's causing us to think about these things. And so when, we, when we're reminded of these things, that as, as a child of the father who delights in caring for his children, when we remind ourselves that that's who we are, that starts to shift our, our thoughts. That starts to shift how we engage this world. So our mindset of a gracious God and how we tend to live in a scarcity mindset. Now, there's a, there's a video that I watched this week by the Bible Project that actually ties what Lloyd talked about in our treasure from heaven in this passage. So, because they go, they go hand in hand. Jesus didn't pause and say, okay, now that this is where I'm ending this verse and then now can, can now go on to the next. He, he was just, he was giving a sermon. So he just continued talking. So we have to read that in, in a narrative context. We can't just be like, okay, and this paused. And then he went into the, you know, his next sermon a week later. That's not how we did it. You know, he just, he just talked. And so here's the thing that I want, I want to show you this video from the Bible Project in this way. They're going to point out the generosity of God and the scarcity, and they're going to tie it to the treasure principle from the last passage that we read. And I want to just encourage you, you can go back and, and watch this this week. And as you consider, this would actually set up a, a, for your time as well. So let's watch this video together. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things 
don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity. And so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoil party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. So I love how that that ties together the whole story of of creation into the story in in the Old Testament of what God's people were were to do. And then as Jesus comes, how if we as his followers actually view him as the generous one, that we don't hold on to, to our things with scarcity, but actually open our hands to be generous as our, as our generous father is with us. So that's the, that's the worldview that he's asking us to switch to. That's our thought life. Now let's continue on. So here's, here's a slide I want you to look at. We're going back to, to where we're going to see. So next, next on our journey, we're actually going to dive down into our, the desires piece of desires and emotions. And so let's look at verses 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So again, here we have another therefore. So up in, up in the top, we have we have the, the first word in there, therefore do not be anxious. So Jesus is highlighting the connection of the emotion of anxiety and the core desires of our heart. Jesus is, 
is kind of saying anxiety is essentially the fear that you won't get the things that you desire. So look at what you're desiring out of life. Like where is your heart's affection? So again, going back to the treasure principles that there's two ways of approaching this, two paths that you can, you can desire to store up treasures here on earth or desire to store up treasures in heaven. He's actually getting to the, the um, anxiety comes from when our desires are to get the, this thing that we desire and we're not getting it. And, we're, and we don't feel like we're getting our actual desires fulfilled. And so that we're gonna strive for more. So again, says, go back, think about the birds. They don't control anything. And he connects it in verse 33. So seek first the kingdom. So what is his kingdom? Remember when we did the the, the short series on the kingdom, the kingdom of God is the people of God living under the reign and rule of God and experiencing his blessings. So, and we seek to live under his rule and reign, that we're his people, that he cares for us, that he takes our, that's our desire is for him to actually give us the good gifts, not for us to go strive in our own toil, but not on our own, but in his control. So when it says the Gentiles seek after things, this is what it's saying. For people who don't have a right view of God, for people who, who aren't his, they're gonna strive after things in the world. They're gonna seek their own prosperity and to see their own fulfillment apart from God. They're gonna try to fill themselves in, in a way that seems pleasing to them. And we see this throughout the whole biblical narrative of when people do things that are right in their own eyes and move away from seeing God as the generous provider to live under his control and rule, you see that they do all sorts of different things to, uh, to kind of fill themselves and treat other people to get what they think they deserve, to hold on to power or to push people down, um, to, to treat others and use others for their own gain and pleasure. That's when you live in a way that you're not having a right view of God's world. So Jesus is saying to his followers, you don't have to live like that because you know that God is in control. Seek first his kingdom, that he is in control. So it's for us to like, think about that, to rest in that God is sovereign and in control, even when the world seems so out of control, that really does to cause us to like force us to sit down and meditate. Okay, God, I, I know you're in control. Um, let me journal through some, like what Scott was saying, my doubts and my fears and all those things and actually work this path because I want to live in a way that is generous towards others, that isn't living in a way of scarcity. Because when I live in a way of scarcity, I'm gonna treat people completely different than I would if I had my hands open receiving you and your love and what you have for me and then, and then treating others in that way. I would live completely different. So when we flip this around, so finally... We move to, in verse 34, we see that we're gonna move to our choices, okay? In light of our worldview shifting, in light of our desires actually shifting to his kingdom and moving and our anxiety, what is the choice that we make? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So here's the last therefore of this, of this passage that we're looking at. There's three therefores. Here's the last one. The third and final therefore, having challenged his disciples in their thoughts, emotions, and desires, Jesus returns and says, do not be anxious. So choose to live in the moment. Choose to live for today. That's, that's what he's saying. Be present with today and what you have today. 
and let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. So he's, that's the choice to make in light of everything that he led us through in this passage of our thoughts and emotions and desires. The choice to make is to stay present with God today. John Stott says this in a commentary on this passage, all worry is about tomorrow. Now think about this. All worry is about tomorrow. Whether about food or clothing or anything else, all worry is experienced today. So it's about tomorrow, but where is it experienced today? So tomorrow, I, you know, I'm worrying I won't have enough, but how do I experience it? I'm anxious today. So it affects, it affects today. Wherever we are anxious, we are upset with the present about some event which may happen in the future. However, these fears of ours about tomorrow, which we feel so acutely today, may not be fulfilled. So how many times have you ever worried and stressed over something that actually never came about? That's what he's, that's what he's saying here. We worry so much about tomorrow of what the what ifs. What if this happens? What if, you know, what if my kid does this? I mean, Melissa and I were actually talking about, um, that's, that's so much of what we do with kids. Like when we're raising our kids, we're like, well, but what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And we're, in, we're anxious today about something that may never happen you know, 10 years from now, and, but, we're, but it's consuming our today. That's what John Stott is saying. Jesus is saying, actually, the thing that you need to do is you need to let tomorrow worry about itself and be present. Now, Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't plan for the future. You know, he's not saying any of those things. He's saying what consumes your emotional life, what consumes you in, in worry is always about something for tomorrow. He's saying, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Because today, you're going to be so consumed by this that you're going to miss what I have for you today. And that goes back into even uh, how we learned how to pray. God, give me my food and my bread today. Today, take care of me today. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. Be present in today for tomorrow will worry about itself. So think about that. Fear is always about what might happen, but it consumes us today. Tom Wright, another commentary that I thought was really helpful he said, Jesus wasn't, wasn't always looking ahead anxiously, making the present moment count only because of what might come next. No, he seems to have had the skill of living totally in the present, giving attention totally to the present task, celebrating the goodness of God here and now. If that's not a recipe for happiness, I don't know what is. And think about that with Jesus. There's there's so much that I want to, you know, obviously as a follower of Jesus, I want to become more like Jesus. But one of the things that I think for me is to be present with people in the here and now. My mind is so much about where I need to get to next or what I need to do next. But Jesus didn't live that way. There's so much where Jesus was so interruptible. And I think that's, I think that's what Tom Wright is saying. The secret to, to Jesus and, and to living in delight and, and living with others was actually to be present in that way. So as followers of Jesus, to make a choice to be present with God in this moment. So you might be thinking right now, okay, I've got fears. Where, like, this is where it's so healthy for us to, to think and to ponder, like, where are my fears taking me? It's all, where are the what ifs taking me in life? And how do I bring that back and, and offer that in Jesus's presence in the present moment? So what are my fears? And then to bring that in here. And here's Here's what I want um, us to do this week. Um, I want us to actually walk the pathway 
uh, with this passage in mind, with our worry, like what has our worry? So, you know, you can screenshot this um, if you're watching this online. Um, you can take your phone out. Um, we can put it up here um, on there for us. But one of the things that I, I want to do is I want us to just um, look at um, this, this walking this pathway together. And so one of the things that you can take your camera out and take a picture of that if you want. But I want you to think about um, and walk through the heart this week um, over your worry. How can we actually take this passage that Jesus just walked us through of our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices and actually do the same thing with what we're worried about in our thought life to actually name the worry. What are we, what are we fearful? What are we anxious about? To actually just start writing this down. What are our thoughts about it? Why is it so hard to trust God with this? And then to, to move into our emotions, describe how you feel when you're thinking about this thing. Like what does it do in your emotional life when you're consumed with, with the worry and the fears? Desires, what is your deepest desire relating to this part of your life? Now, this is where I want you just to just get really honest with God. You know, it, the, here's, here's my desire. And this is why, this is why it's consuming so much of my emotional life. That, that, that when we get honest about that, of what's going underneath all of that. And then the choices. Jesus, how is Jesus inviting you to respond? What choice is he leading you to make? So this is where, you know, this is where it could go a, a, like a lot of different ways. It could be that God's actually asking me to open up my hands in a certain situation to it, maybe a need that I know that's in someone else's life. And, and for me to, to let go of, of having maybe too much where I actually could uh, expand the generosity of God into someone else's life. Maybe, maybe it's, um, it's confession. Maybe it's talking to somebody else. Um, they, whatever it is, that, that's what happens when we walk through this with God. We, we come to this place where we're, we're saying, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my heart. I want you to be the one who leads me and not my anxiety, not my worries, not my fears. I want to be present with you. And I want to experience what it means to be in your presence and present with you, you taking care of me as the generous, generous God that you are. So this morning, I want to take us to the table. So at home, if you have anything that could, it could be for the bread or the, or the juice, I want you to go grab those. And, and for us in this room, and, and this is where I want us um, to think about as, as, a, as a community of faith, how do we not worry about tomorrow? Well, as I've been reflecting on that, as I kind of process that through this week, the reality is, is in my own strength to, to try not to worry, just to try to like white knuckle not worrying, like, okay, Jesus, you're telling me not to worry. Okay, I'm not gonna worry anymore. Like that's, again, it's not how... It happens. So how can we do that? Well, it's reminding that we have the Holy Spirit, his presence with us. But to be self-centered in our thinking and action is to lead us to a scarcity mindset. But in considering Jesus this morning, we see that God is the generous creator of all and that he gave his ultimate gift of his one and only son. And that Jesus, as he, he's, he lived on this earth and as he experienced all of life, he experienced suffering. He knew what it meant to be without and to trust God's provision. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, for, we, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty may become rich. 
Jesus lowered himself for you so that we may become rich in him. Jesus is inviting us this morning to imitate his life of trust, of the generosity of God, of giving his life away for the good of others. Jesus is our ultimate gift, our ultimate provision from the Father. And through his spirit, we pray that the generosity of God as this generous host would so transform our hearts that we would extend that same grace and generosity to those around us. As we consider the lilies, as we consider the birds, that it would so um, lead us to that we are of more value than even there. And God takes care of them. He will take care of us. So this morning, we recognize that while on this earth, we look forward to the day when all suffering will end. And we will enjoy God's provision without temptation to strive. When this earth will be made new, we long for that day. And so as we come to the table this morning, I know that there's things that all of us are carrying, that we're worrying. And so I, I want you just to, to, just right now, just to walk with Jesus in his presence and say, Jesus, help me through your spirit. Empower me to live in a way that I cannot live in my own strength. To bring forth right now even what you're holding on to in your worry and in your fear and to recognize that Jesus is the ultimate gift given for us. He is our provision and he offers us his presence. So we take the bread And as we take and eat, we remember that he was our ultimate provision on the cross to bring us back into right relationship with God, the generous Father. Take and eat. And Jesus, it is through your blood, your perfect sacrifice, living the life that we couldn't. And even in this moment, we recognize that we cannot live the life that you call us to without you and your spirit. And so we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. And we ask that we would move toward oneness with you, Father, our generous Father. Take and drink.